0: Um, anything, anything other party shots, Link? No, I have these, I have these great shoes now. Oh, yeah, look at look those. those. Yeah. These vans?
1: <laughs> they are vans. I actually, I bought them Friday. I took a day off from work to work on a personal project. I'm, I'm actually typing up all of my written writing from the past 10 years. It's, okay. an, It's, yeah, it's kind of scary. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to go down, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I need a pair of slip-on vans. And so I'm like, I'm going to go to Journeys, because that's where you can go and you can get slip-on vans. And I go to Journeys and actually the gallery in Cool Springs, because I like to drive for some reason. And um, actually, I, I go in, and I was like, oh, that's what I want. I was like, do you have it in the 12? They bring me the 12. They're like, oh, you got lucky. We had a 410 and a 12. Like, great. So I'm walking up with, with the girl who's helping me, and she's like, are you being them for any particular reason? You're and good. that was the first thing that, <laughs> that, like, like threw me off during this, this adventure. So I'm like, put on my feet I'm so like, like, that if I step on something, it doesn't hurt? Yeah, it's like, really? No, they're just, just I need it. I wanted a pair of slip-on Vans um, just for, you know, to have. And then... At the checkout, and I hear it behind me because there's only me, the girl telling me, and the other guy who's working on the other side of the store. No one else is in this place. It's a Friday. It's eleven o'clock, um, and I just hear something like, "Hey, do you think I could I could hold on to these socks?" I'm like, oh, what?" Um, and then it's like, "Yeah, I just like, maybe maybe can I just put them behind the counter and just buy them when I'm on break?" I'm like, "Okay, this is making a little bit more sense." <laughs> um, and the the girl telling me is like, "Yeah, that's just just fine. Just do it." She was clearly exasperated already. And then I'm running my card, and I wasn't the guy standing next to me. He's like, hey, feel these socks. And he's, he's like, holding these socks out. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're really they're really soft. He's like, right? Aren't they the softest socks you've ever felt? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I really want to buy these and put them on. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I go back to the transaction, and he walks behind the cash register to wear this, this, this huge wall of socks. And he just is feeling all, like, he's holding the one pair that he had me feel in one hand, feeling it. And just feeling all the other socks
0: in the rack. That's a man who's getting his Christmas shopping done early. (laughs) And welcome back to the show that is effective in all phases of the game, even strength, power play, shorthanded, even three on three. (laughs) Do we do PKs? I don't, uh, I don't kill, I don't know if you guys heard, I don't do, I don't kill penalties. Oh, okay. Well, Not, not anymore. We're, so we, we may not be as effective in all phases of the game as I thought. You're listening to the Predcast, brought to you by OnTheVortech.com and Lion's Own Internet Marketing Solutions. Once again, I'm Alex Darty, sitting in the captain's chair for Dan this week. Uh, with us as usual, we have Chris Link. We also have Maria this week. I'm back. You are back. Uh, fresh from a trip to Canada, right?
2: Yes, I went to Edmonton for a week.
0: Okay. On vacation? <laughs>
2: It's a lovely place. I mean, probably <laughs> Tennessee is better, but it's a lovely place.
1: It's a ringing endorsement.
2: Yeah, I went to see an Edmonton Oilers game while I was there. It was the one game that they've lost. So, so which which was that? Well one? done, well done. Yeah, they, it was the Buffalo game. They lost, I believe, six to two. Sort of blanking out the last couple of goals wow. there.
0: All right, yeah, Cam
2: Talbot did not have a good night. All right. So but they have a brand new arena and it is it's very very nice but they have some issues that they could probably iron out with concessions and stuff like that but it's a very nice place.
0: Okay. Um I'm did you have you ever been did you ever go to Rexall?
2: I did not know. Okay.
0: Uh, me me either. I I it was just saying before we started that I I've not been to any NHL game that is not at that arena downtown whether it was the Nashville Arena, Bridgestone, whatever it was called. I've never been to one.
2: Okay, yeah, I've been to a bunch of different arenas around so Like, I would rank the building pretty high, but the fan base um, energy, not so much. Like, there was no in-game clapping, chanting, nothing. They're a little too depressed for that right now. Not even
0: any in-game clapping? They don't clap?
2: They clapped a little bit when they (laughs) scored, but there wasn't a whole lot of, like, jumping out of the seats.
0: Did they clap for their
1: national anthem,
2: maybe? No, they didn't. Weirdly enough, only one fan base does that.
0: No, I mean, after, at the end.
2: Oh, yeah, there's a nice little polite. Okay, that's
1: what I meant. Is, yeah, that because, not, not during the
0: live. is that because clapping is like a citation in Canada? Like, if you clap annoyingly, then you get cited?
2: Is that true? I th- <laughs> it sounds like it might be true.
0: I'm assuming. It's it's Canada. Who knows? Clapping is considered not polite
1: enough for Canada, <laughs> which is why Canada and Germany are just enemies, because when those Germans start pounding tables, Canadians can't handle it. There you go. It's It's... This is widely known. <laughs> Link, how was your week? Uh not not terribly exciting. Um, though unfortunately with with Dan not here, um Dan and I talk about Civilization five a lot, um, mm-hmm. video game. Mm-hmm. And Civilization six came heard. out on Friday, causing me to to get a phone call uh from a friend being like, Hey, how'd the first period of the Troy game go? Or the Troy Predator- Nashville National game go? I'm like Oh, God! And then I, like,
0: (laughs) right now, turn the TV on. Um, What is your... So what is your review of Civ 6?
1: It's hard to say. Um, You you typically need 30-plus hours into the game before you even know what's going on. Mm. I have about nine. So I'm about a third of the way there, and I'm starting to figure out how bad I've been doing at everything I've been doing and how wrong everything I've been doing is. But that's Civilization. It's got, like, a really... You have to kind of learn the language every time they jump up an iteration. So all the mechanics are familiar, but you have to... Like figure out how to place things, and mm-hmm. they change city building completely, so it's confusing a little bit.
0: Okay, so trying to rate the game right now would be a little bit like looking at the NHL standings right now and and making anything. Yeah, of it's it?
1: just it's just too early. You need to let a, you need to let things sort themselves, and some of the the weird quirks, uh, you know, they'll, they'll reveal themselves to either be quirks or uh, they'll be patched out. And hopefully, hmm. hopefully they can figure out a way to patch the NHL because there's some problems that could probably use like a you know. So version I,
0: one point, you know, two two point oh. I I played Civ five a little bit, and mm-hmm. I played it, and then I just it didn't end. It just I just kept going, and I realized that I was just supposed to keep playing this game until I wanted to not play it anymore, and so I didn't.
1: Oh well, I have I have hundreds of hours into that game when it came
0: since it's came like, out like five hundred plus hours. To me, video games have an ending, like oh you beat it, here's the ending, and it just doesn't do that. So, um. Are you into video games, Maria? At all?
2: Uh, Not too much. Like okay. I, I enjoy some games like that, but I haven't played them in forever. Okay. So. Um, we
0: have we have quite a lot of hockey to talk about. Uh, it's been a very strange, interesting roller coaster of a week for the Nashville Predators. Uh, before we get into that, I wanted to make a quick comment about the um, about another sport, about baseball. So the Chicago Cubs last night clinched their first World Series. Trip since 1945, and um, while that doesn't mean a lot to maybe a lot some of the more seasoned hockey fans, the comparison would be uh, would be like if the Leafs obviously went to the Stanley Cup, or perhaps if the uh, St. Louis Blues, who have the second longest uh, Stanley Cup drought in the league, so if the Leafs and the Blues somehow met in the Stanley Cup Finals this year. That is basically the equivalent of the Cubs and Indians facing, because they both have not been to the Stanley Cup, I'm sorry, to the uh, World Series in both 70 are true. years. Both, of those are true. both are true. But uh, I, I, personally, I'm actually really looking forward to it. I like it when you have two teams that you really kind of want either one to win. Um, so I don't know. Mario, I know you're kind of a baseball fan, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, I, guess, I guess we'll see. I, I'm looking forward to it. You're not looking forward to it, are you?
1: I am not not looking forward to it in the, in the sense that it will occur and and some of my friends will be pleased and some of my friends will be unhappy cuz I have friends who are Cleveland Ohio general sports interest people and I've got people who are you know Chicago interest people and me I'm just sort of like enjoy your baseball. Well,
0: I think that's great. I'm going to be doing that over the next few weeks. I I'm glad. I think it's going to be fun. I
1: like when people I like enjoy things.
0: <laughs> um all right. So let's talk about some predators um news. We're going to start way back late Or earlier last week, um, the news about Mika Salamaki being out six to eight weeks with what is probably assumed to be a hand injury. That is when he left the game, when he got a puck to the hand. And uh, Anthony Boteto is out four to six weeks with what is labeled an upper body injury. I'm guessing we're probably assuming it's something related to the fight with Jordan Tutu. Um, Does this, you know, Obviously, Cody Bass and Yannick Weber played later in the week, and they, they you know, the Predators were kind of prepared already for depth. Do these losses mean anything too much early? What do you, what do you make of this? Uh, the, the potato loss, maybe
1: uh, he didn't really get a chance to establish himself and set a tone for the season of what kind of player he was going to be. Um, in his stead, uh, what it has done is shown that Weber should have probably never started on on the scratch list because right. um, he immediately has, has shown that he's you know if you're looking at the three guys fighting for the bottom two slots it, it's clear that he's better than Carl um Definitely. speaking of speaking of Weber so I mean you have that and then Salamaki I mean he makes life a little bit difficult but I'm just I don't i never bought into the Salamaki hype I still don't you know he's he's kind of there um I he, he's gonna have to you know Grieger all his bones in his arm, I believe. But, you know, when he comes back, maybe, maybe, you know, Watson will have won his spot or uh, something like that. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I'm not really bothered by Salamaki going down. I just hope he recovers well.
2: Yeah, I like Salamaki, but he's sort of the ultimate replaceable player, especially with our um, system's depth right now. Him going out, you know, it, it doesn't really help, I suppose. But it's not going to hurt this long term. I think losing Batetto might hurt us a little bit more. But if. We should have had Potato and Weber, I believe, to start the season to begin with, and so mm-hmm. now we have uh, Weber and uh, Carl. So that's a little bit of a downgrade, but probably still not going to kill us.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Weber has been uh, pretty, pretty impressive right off the bat, and Carl, the opposite. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, and obviously, we're going to talk a lot more about injuries or s- illnesses later in the podcast. But let's talk about Dallas because that was the uh, the game that started off the week. Um, I think most people out, you know, after the Chicago back-to-back were, you know, we weren't really sure what to expect. We know what they look like against Chicago, so let's try a team that's totally different in the Dallas Stars. And boy, was it a throwback to a few years ago when Pecorine was doing everything and the team just stunk. Um, Just a slow start, very similar to the start in Chicago, but... um, if Peckarine does not play like he does, you know that this game is pretty ugly. I, I didn't like the way the game the, the Predators
1: started the game. Uh, I don't know if it was a carryover from the Blackhawks back to back or or what, but I just felt like they were trying to force really particular shots or try to force set plays or or something. Uh, and this is something that that Wilson's been doing. I think you know, at, I know in Dallas game and then certainly the rest of the week. He, He's just, he, he'll have a really obvious shot. And granted, the, goal t- the, the goalie, the holding goalie may have it, the angle, may have it covered, but he's, at least he has a shot. His other options are, you know, saucer pass, pass, you know, or through like three defensive players to maybe a guy who's still skating down the side. And he'll take that over the shot. Right. And, you know, I was seeing a lot of that from the whole team in the first period. And, and I, I just think they got started on the, on the wrong foot and couldn't really get back into the game at that point.
2: Yeah, the shots against in the first period were very, very ugly. If we hadn't had P.E.K.K.A back to, you know, two thousand eleven P.E.K.K.A mode, then we would have been in a lot of trouble early on.
0: Yeah, shots against at that point it, when Adam Cracknell got the first goal, shots were twenty to seven Dallas at that point, and that was in the second period, I believe. Uh yeah, pretty pretty ugly. Um and uh Fisher gets the power play goal that was actually you know, to be honest, was pretty a pretty lucky goal. I think it deflected, came right to Forsberg and he found Fisher right in front. It wasn't a very typical power play goal. Uh, especially for this team. Um, but at that point, you know, the, the Dallas just clogged everything, and, and it was pretty impressive to see the kind of game that, you know, Dallas were used to seeing them just very much wide open and uh, almost no one in the middle of the ice. Everyone's just shooting around the outside, and this was totally different. Yeah, I I, I went into the game thinking, hey, we're going to see some of the wide-open, crazy
1: play that you'd expect from Dallas and Nashville and you know, we didn't really see any of it for the most part. I mean, it, I think the first, there was some kind of zany neutral zone play and both, yeah. both teams were trying to fight for sort of control of the neutral zone. Um, that got, that felt really Star Trek for a minute. It was weird. Um, <laughs> and, uh, th- I think Dallas maybe ultimately won that. Uh, I, but I, I think the, the bright spot that I want to take from that Dallas game, because that was, I mean, that was like a Tuesday night boring game mm-hmm. for the most part, or also a little bit frustrating. Uh, I thought, despite not registering any points, I thought Fiala had a really good game. Like, he was really working hard, doing some really interesting things, was causing problems for Dallas, Uh, and I thought that was really kind of my encouraging takeaway from what was an otherwise dreary match.
0: Yeah, I I think my takeaway was was Ryan Ellis. He he probably was the best defenseman on the night. Um, He had the least terrible possession numbers of anyone on the team. And uh, he had three shots on goal, three hits, two blocks, and played about, almost 25 minutes. He played more than Yossi in that game. Um, he had more ice time time than Yossi anyways. Uh, so Ryan Ellis had, had a decent game, and like you said, Fiala. And then, but, you know, R- Rene really made that game close. He had 35 saves. Um, and then, just, of course, good old Jason Spezza scores with about 10 minutes left. And that was pretty much all she wrote. Guys, uh, the Predators could not get anything going later in that game.
2: If we can see more of that from marine this year, especially if he is actually going to get the rest that he's been given so far, I think we should be in pretty good hands
0: i that seems to be the theme of the of the game at this point uh, or of the game of the of the team pecarine through five games has been pretty pretty good i mean definitely better than last year uh, and and really you know not peak pecarine but but definitely better than last year and an above average goaltender and that has been. Probably most surprising to most people, and uh, I guess he hasn't played five games. He's, games he's played three, but um, in the games he started, he has been very impressive. And that that theme, if that continues, you know, you have to feel good about that. Yeah, I, I'll happily take a, a shaky
1: five ten minutes in game one for the rest of the performances he's put in. Uh, you always know, have to see. I mean, the, the thing that always is is uh, difficult about Pekka is has been his his inconsistency. So I mean. Can he hold it up? Does it last? Um, you know, do, do we start hitting December and he starts kind of tra- trending downwards and causes problems, and then the team has its, you know, December January slump before he miraculously recovers after the All Star break, and all of a sudden he's like amazing again. I don't know. Yeah,
0: you just worry that you you've got this sort of when you have this, this team that has kind of two different pieces. You've got your defense goaltending and you've got your offense forwards. You're worried that, you know, if you don't have both things going at the same time, you know, what that means in the long run Too way too early to really worry about that for right now. But um, in the meantime, uh, at the end of that, you know, the Predators are one and two and you're kind of wondering, "Hmm, where's this going? And then some line changes. Uh, We have some pretty significant switches going into the Detroit game. And I wanted to get you guys take on this going back towards the forward lines from last year. Ryan Johansson on the top line with James Neal and Callie Yarncroke. Mike Ribeiro on the second line with Philip Forsberg and Craig Smith. Then you've got, uh, of course, Mike Fisher with Wilson and Arvidsson. And then Fiala getting uh, banished to the fourth line with Sissons and Bass. Do you think this is... Um is this indicative of where where things are going now, or do you think that that's just uh, you know three games in Lobby's just kind of throwing darts and just you know just to see what happens or what? What do you think about these changes going into the Detroit game?
1: Yeah, I I I think he was just trying to see if they can recapture the chemistry. I mean, why not? Uh, I mean, there were, there were certainly some uh, there were plenty of weird moments in the Detroit game. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just. It, Things just things were happening. I mean, how many times did we see uh Cody Bass and Philip Forsberg skating in a line together? Oh my gosh. Including the, the now famous uh Bass Forsberg check, <laughs> uh, which I just I mean, I, I just can see that moment in my head where you know Forsberg picks up the puck, he's going up the ice, he's, he's getting ready for the breakout, and I just see Bass skating towards him, being like, Cody has to realize. That Forsberg is trying to cut the ice, he needs to get in position to be an out, uh, like an outlet valve or something. And Bass is like, "No, nah, I'm just going to keep keep the you know heading the course. Nothing's going to go wrong." Forsberg, no clue he's there. Doesn't expect him to be there. Never even occurred to him that another player was going to skate into his in, into his lane like that. Because because Cody Bass isn't a fast skater, he could have just stopped skating. It would have been fine. Like mm-hmm. he made he, there was only one wrong way to do things, and he found a way to do it.
0: Uh, and then you had that hilarious turnover and that was what it was. Yeah. Um, th- th- I just quick story right for my high school hockey playing days. I was on at one point I played hockey. It was, it was a, an experiment gone wrong and I, I had a lot of fun doing it, but, um, I was very much the Cody Bass to the rest of the team's Forsberg. Uh, and so I was on a, a line one time and did something very similar to what Cody Bass did. And, uh, I did not play with that player anymore because, uh, he was hindered by my presence on the ice. Um, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to ever check your own player off of the puck in the middle of a high school hockey game. You also don't want to check a player off a puck um,
1: from your team, in when you're a professional hockey player in the middle of a pro game,
0: <laughs>
1: uh, I think there's there's in, in high school it's embarrassing. At the pro level, it's just it makes you groan and wonder what a guy like Cody Bass is doing out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That is that is true. Um, so, like you mentioned. The Detroit game, things got weird. Things got very weird because all of a sudden we noticed that Ryan Johansson's missing. So is Craig Smith. The rest of the team seems to be playing not great. Alarm They're still up 2-1 middle of the second period, I think. But, But I don't know how you guys kind of heard this story happening, but, you know, I just assumed that there was some injury and we were just having this bad luck. And then all of a sudden you look up and, and, uh, you're, you're losing the game. And then, um, I, it, something felt different about the way it was going.
1: Yeah. And th- there were murmurs on Twitter and I can't remember it was some from some media sources saying, you know, there was, there was someone asked a question and there was a mention of some illness, like a flu or something being passed around, um, or rumors of that. And so was that was the next thing. like, Oh, well, some of the players, are have the flu and everyone's getting the flu. I, I think Ribeiro, it was Ribeiro had an interview somewhere.
2: There was a quote on Twitter about the guys being sick, but I don't, it seemed like the translation from that was sick in the good way and not in the bad way until we saw the game and Johansson mysteriously disappeared.
1: Uh-huh. I, I could see Ribeiro using that terminology and it'd be confusing to the, to the person doing the interview.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. yeah.
1: Any guy wearing a wallet chain that says something is sick, you're going to assume he means it in, in like a good way. Sick, totally sick, man. All the players, they I mean, like, coming into the game tonight, we're all looking a little sick, and it's like, oh, wow, they're really pumped. Like, Man. No, not really. Well, I mean, in it, a sort of pumped, but not in a good way. It's getting wicked out there. Um, <laughs> I so, love that musical. Oh, I, I do too, actually. I saw it when it was here. it be a great, like, a, <laughs> sort of Predators on Ice meets Wicked. It's kind of a on-ice musical.
0: I think we've got the next uh, Beneath the Ice Episode figured I th- out.
1: I think we pitched it for the next All Star game. Go ahead and uh, and do a back to back in Nashville. That's Who up? needs L A. when we have
0: Wicked on Ice? There you go. You know Subban's up for it. <laughs> oh yeah, Subban would start the show. Um, about this game, I mean, aside from the, the the illness, which we'll talk a little bit more about. You know, in this game, you had some things. Uh, again, you had some things you liked, and uh, one thing we haven't mentioned yet, uh, which I figured we probably would, is the power play continues to just absolutely destroy it. Uh, at, at By the end of this game, they had eight, I believe, power play goals. Um, in the middle of that game, you know, after the Red Wings are up one nothing, P.K. Subban gets a power play goal to tie it, and then what, 20 seconds later or something like that, Mike Ribeiro gets just a wide open net, puts the Preds up 2-1. So, things are looking pretty good. It's Still, though, you have that in the back of your mind. This is on the power play. What, what's going to happen the rest of the game? The Drew Miller goal um, is probably one that Rene would like to have back that sort of really tough short side angle. I mean, I don't even know what what is the percentage of that you could score on that shot in that situation?
2: It's very low. It, yeah.
0: It has to be and and still went in. Well, I it, hey, and what
1: happened the next night? Pekka is, is a healthy is not a healthy scratch. It's an unhealthy scratch. So, you know, for for as sick as some of those those guys were, mm-hmm they played really well in retrospect. I mean, they lost the game. They lost the game. They, they on most days should definitely win. I mean, I had it last week pegged as one of their must win games. Uh, And, and you can't anticipate food poisoning, basically. Um, Though the other, the other thing I want to take away from the game and, uh, and it it repeated itself uh, in the game against the Penguins the next day is the increased role of Victor Arvidsson on the PK. Mm -hmm. So, first two games of the season i did i actually did the very very basic math in the first three games arvidsson averaged 21 seconds on the pk um in like the first three games okay he in the sec last two games he's averaged 57 seconds and he's looked fantastic yeah i mean I guess you like we need you to kill a penalty. We need to kill, you know, spend more time on the on the PK. And he's okay, and he does a great job against the Troy. They they put him out there against the Penguins, a healthy, hot Penguins team, and he's the team's best penalty killer for the most part. Yeah. It was amazing. And he's
0: been he's been great in, in a lot of aspects of the game. But yeah, I mean, he's the he's the kind of guy, and I'm, we're going to talk more about this, I'm sure, when we talk about the Saturday game. But but uh, Victor Arvidsson is a almost a revelation on that team. Whenever he's on the ice, he really gets things going. He is a just the proverbial spark that the team needs a lot of time. Um, so drew Miller scores. It's tied at two. Um, then in the third, you know, you, you feel like going into it 2 two game in Detroit, you know, not a bad, not a bad situation. Tomas, Tatar scores an absolute beauty of a goal. Um, he comes off the, or comes onto the ice for his shift, flies into the zone, gets a pass, Deeks and wrists one just right by Pecorine with, I don't think anyone was in front of him. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes the other guy is just better. <laughs> sometimes the other guy just does something and beats you, and you just there's no explanation. He's just better than you. And that was one situation like that. That, that Tomas Tatar goal was was uh, the best goal I've seen in any Predators game this year so far. Um, so that put him up three uh, two. The Gustav Nyquist goal is probably square on the shoulders of one Philip Forsberg who. Turns the puck over uh, at the top of the top of the blue line, gives it right to him, and uh, Pecorini just gets beat um, on the turnover there. What do you what do you make of Forsberg's start? Do you, do you think yeah, is this a is this a trend or is it just a blip or uh, is he having to do too much? What do you think?
2: Not sure. He definitely has had a few turnovers this year that have led to not great chances against. So. Um... I think he'll definitely get better. He hasn't, I don't believe he's scored a goal yet either, but he has picked up a few points. Yeah. So he's he is out there working. I don't know if maybe all the line shuffling is sort of working against him, especially yeah. moving back and forth between Johansson's line and Ribeiro's line.
0: Which is totally different games of hockey right yes. there. I mean, you're talking about worlds apart.
1: It, it, it took a while for mm-hmm. Forsberg to get, get rolling last year too, uh, last season. I'm not too worried. He's been involved in plays. He's been engaged. Mario said he's, he picked up a couple assists so far. Uh, he hasn't been invisible. So I mean that those are all good things. And he started looking a lot better uh, Saturday night against the Penguins. So
0: he, I think he's going to get there. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I I agree. I mean the, the what worries me is the penalties. Uh, he was really good at not taking penalties a couple years ago, and then he starts doing that, and he's really better at drawing penalties than than, than uh, taking them, um, and just. Generally not getting anything done in the offensive end, but again, I think you're probably right, Playing, getting mixed up with a couple different lines and uh, having to maybe do too much, especially in that game on Friday when the whole team is just <laughs> ravaged with sickness.
1: Yeah, and, and you know we, we don't actually know necessarily how many players were right. sick enough to be out, sick enough to have to take a lot of breaks, or, or just sick enough where they were slowed down. Uh, I mean, who knows? Forsberg could have been still ill even on Saturday.
0: Right. We don't know. And, and You know, since since we, we're kind of on that now, um, with the sickness, so he, look, here's what we know. What we know is everyone got sick because of apparent food poisoning. I think even, to me, even when uh, David Poyle said, uh, I heard it was the chicken soup, it almost sounded like just an offhand comment. It didn't even sound like it was really a commitment to, it was chicken soup. Did Did you take that, or did you think, oh, it was chicken soup? <laughs> I mean, who, I, I really doubt you had a whole bunch of hockey
1: players eating chicken soup after a hockey, after like a game in Detroit, um, or before a game in Detroit, just like, yeah, the whole team sat down and had chicken soup together. <laughs> doesn't seem like what you eat before a hockey game or the night, like before, I don't know. Yeah. Just, it, it just felt like it's just something to throw out there.
2: I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about, you know, their whole craft services, food setup before the games, but I mean, they were in Detroit for two days. They could have had, like I don't know, their lunch might have been a soup and pasta or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's possible, but I wouldn't commit to it. It'd, honestly, it doesn't really matter that much. Right, yeah. Because here's the thing. I mean,
1: uh, but uh, where do we direct our rage, Maria? Yeah. I don't understand. Can I not like attack a food su- stuff of any sort? Could, can we not bring Campbell's to its knees?
2: We're <laughs> marching on Chick-fil-A tomorrow because they're not open today.
1: Well, well today would be the perfect time to do it then. They would never see
0: it coming. There'd be no one there, though.
1: Yeah, but the chicken's still there. You're like marching into Siberia, the food's still there. I can figure out how to work a fryer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm so confused by what you're arguing against. I'm saying let's go get waffle fries and chicken sandwiches. I was just
0: picturing like it's it's basically like if we just you know flew a moon to to flew flew a moon flew to the moon as we did and just I'd fly a like moon with you anyway. This is this is now ours and everyone the whole world's like okay fine we're gonna uh, actually go to restaurants that actually have food. I'm getting my metaphors mixed up here, so hey, we're but, all about mixed metaphors. But here's the thing: what what we don't know is literally anything else. We don't know anything about if it was even at a restaurant, what kind of illness it was, it, other than it was just food poisoning, which is just a catch-all for most most illnesses that happen after you eat something. But you know, I, I saw it way too much on Twitter, and we got some we got some questions directed to us about it, about you know, what's where, where's the restaurant, and who do we hold accountable for this, like. Look, no, something, things just happen. I have some experience, a little bit of experience here. Um, and I called this out. I made a,
1: made a very sideways joke about it on, on Twitter. Um, this whole thing harkened back to the year of 2000, like five, 2006. Uh, lockout? Tottenham. Your... No, Tottenham Hotspur, my, oh. my soccer team. Okay. Is in the Champions League. And, uh, this is a big deal. This is not, this is like Tottenham. They were they they're still not one of the biggest clubs, but they were a, a smaller club even then. And and this was a really big deal, making the Champions League and everything. And um, the team gets food poisoning during right the like for one of the major matches. So most of their first team was just knocked out, can't play. Um, and it was blamed on lasagna. Hmm. This lasagna they ate beforehand because everyone ate ate the same lasagna because um, it was prepared by the hotel for them, so it was like a local you know thing, and it has been ten years. people still talk about this wow. teams when 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 Spurs go places to play and and someone has to provide food, sometimes the facilities will provide lasagna to try and like get into their heads. Right. Now, can't, granted, no one who's on that team or so <laughs> like there's like no one left who was there. that was ten years ago, but it's still this thing so so this is to say, Preds fans, do not let it consume you. Mm-hmm. We don't even know if it was soup. At least in the instance of Spurs, we knew it was lasagna. But we don't know if the Predators even ate soup. Right. We yeah. don't. Yeah. yeah. It's not the end of Spaceballs. We don't know that.
0: It's <laughs> a great movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, pe- we got to people asking us, you know, where's the restaurant? And it just, let, let's not with that, please. But because, it, uh, so, the, well, because two things, really. Number one, there are literally... Millions and millions of bugs and viruses and parasites and bacteria that are doing nothing but trying to kill us right now. While you sit listening to this podcast, they are trying to kill you right now. It, the odds of this happening are pretty great. <laughs> Even if it's all in one instance where there's a bunch of people, that's still... that's. I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't happened. We have not seen this yet with this team we follow. Uh, not for any particular reason, but just because... The odds are so great. There are millions of bugs trying to kill us right now, it, it and that's what ha- tried to happen. A bunch of bugs tried to kill your predators. Not a not a disgruntled Red Wings fan trying to ruin a regular season game in October. It's literally bugs. I feel like we learned a little bit about you today, Alex. Um, I didn't
1: know you had that sort of relationship with with sort of the microbial world around you. Um, I, I, I I do think if if Predators fans want to get angry about something. There's actually a really convenient thing related to the Detroit game you can get angry about. And that was the end of the Detroit game. Uh, so I, wanted, I definitely want to talk about this. Uh, yes. okay. So right. you have a perfectly fine, it happened, high sticking penalty from, uh, I believe it was Yarn Croak. Yes. And then, you know, it's uh, clearly, you're, it doesn't look like he's going to win the game. It's very close to the end. Things aren't looking great. You're going to be in the penalty kill for like the last two minutes. And then Neil comes out of nowhere and just takes a completely unnecessary cross checking penalty. He just totally just—I mean, I'm sure he was provoked, but it was just a stupid boneheaded penalty. Just behind the net? Yeah. Yeah. And goes in the box. All right, now the team's down 5-3. Now there's no way. Mm -hmm. Like, they have to score a shorthanded goal, 5-on-3. The game's basically over. So your assistant captain ships the game away. The Predators just, you know, toss it down the drain. Whatever. There's a lot going down the drain for that game anyways. So we just kind of have to move past that. And then— And then— Mike Ribeiro, our hero, Mike Ribeiro, and by hero, I mean the exact opposite thereof, manages to find a way to take an unsportsmanlike misconduct penalty. He doesn't take any of those. When you you go into the summer with your coach saying he has to have the summer of his life, and you come back, and by game four, you're taking stupid misconduct penalties because you can't shut up? Yeah. Because your brain is too slow for you to process being kind to other people or being sane or rational. This is this is one of the things that anything else divorce, just his on-ice play, drives me nuts. And that is he cannot control himself. It, it, and it's just his mouth. It's not like he's going to fight anybody. He's not going to fight anybody. He's going to run his mouth until he gets thrown off the ice. He's done it
2: three, four times, season after season after season. Yeah, I'm not sure I've seen anybody take as many unsportsmanlike penalties as him. That aren't like blatantly owing people in the head. He just like gets tossed into the games constantly.
0: It, it, I feel like there were at least two or three last year. I mean, it wasn't in the playoffs uh, against the Ducks. Yeah, he so had mm-hmm. the one in the playoffs. I mean, maybe he does it because he knows it doesn't
1: really hurt the team at that point. But he's gotten thrown out at points where he's gone for the, for a, a reasonable amount of time when mm-hmm. the team has been down. It's just it makes no sense. And that whole se- it was just this undisciplined series of plays from the Predators. And if anything, I mean, you have these guys who are sick, and then you've got other players who are just sort of throwing the game away because they can't control their attitudes. That's the stuff that i just I despise, mm-hmm. and I hate it seeing especially when when one of the guys is supposed to be your assistant captain i mean granted, I think we put too much weight on the whole captaincy, but sure. Try to, you know, hold yourself to a higher standard, maybe.
0: Yeah, I I think they they made that bed when they when they made James Neal assistant captain. I mean, I guess they knew it'd be one. You know, if they tried to if if they were to have made Mike Ribero an assistant captain, there would have been a quite an outcry over that. So I I think James Neal, they were willing to take the bad with the good because there probably is more good than bad there. Uh, And James Neal, I think um, you know we have we have to embrace kind of who he is. Uh, But I agree, it was it was that was a bad a bad penalty to take. Um, okay, so, you know, we've we've talked about this sickness. I don't think there's anything really more to talk about there. It does seem as if the team is uh, recovering from that. So the bugs did not win. Viruses, parasites, all those things, they did not win. Uh, our guys' immune systems were ready to go. Um, so I think what we'll do is uh, we're going to talk about... <laughs> Link is giving me a disapproving look. Um I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about the fun game of the week, which hey. is the, the the win over the defending cup champions. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some fun stuff, some seasonal stuff. And then uh, we're going to take some uh, Twitter questions and look ahead to the week. So uh, I guess we'll be uh, right back.
3: These days, you need to partner current and latest website design standards. One that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing like social media, search engine marketing, rich media and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need Lionzone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402 That number again is 615-353-0402 or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999.
0: And welcome back. We are uh, finished talking about the sickness that uh, took over the um, Twitter sphere for uh, 24 or 48 hours. Um, We're going to talk about the hockey game that was played on Saturday night, of course, which was influenced by the sickness because of the massive call-ups that happened prior to the game. We'll talk about that some. But um, the Pittsburgh Penguins were in town, and the Predators were not looking particularly strong in their first four games. Uh, you knew that you were going to have some guys missing from the lineup. The overall feel going to this game was just do what you can, <laughs> get get to the end of the game and see what happens. Skate through it, see if some of the the call ups you know show anything really cool.
1: Uh, it, you know, maybe some make a case for for being the the next choice when when it, when a player is out with injury. Yeah, uh, I mean this this went from being the scary
0: game of the week to being a doubly scary game uh, Saturday morning. Right, and and so it. it Things totally change in that game. Um we had uh two, you know, Kevin Fiala gets two goals, Victor Arvidsson gets two goals, and I'm I'm blanking on the Cali Yorncroke gets gets the fifth goal. Uh five to one is your final. Um to me though, this game was all about UC Soros and uh his performance really stood out to I think most people. I, I, I a lot of
1: things are about UC Saros. Um I'm. I am unabashedly a huge Soros fan in general, so seeing him get the call. Like I, my initial assumption was that Soros is going to be called up. Mazanix was probably going to get going to get the starting net, um, assuming he wasn't, you know, one of the the sick ones. And he, and, you know, may have been ill as well, That's and, true. but less ill than Pekka. Right. Um. But man, oh, he was. He, Everyone's like, oh, so after that first goal, he was on the ball. I, I I mean, a goal is a goal, but he was so sharp the entire time. All the things that people say when they watch him on the international stage and they watched him in Finland, he just brings it. There's no fear, nothing but confidence. He knows exactly what his game is. He knows how to get into the right spot. He also has the major athleticism to get around the crease. It's just fantastic watching him play, especially when he's 5'10", and every other goaltender in the league is...
0: 6'5 or taller I was going to ask you about that I mean I, that, I didn't realize that about him I didn't realize that he was such such a height well, difference that's why he didn't get drafted okay. initially that's why he dropped so
1: far in the drafts because he was so short that teams didn't you know they, that was when everyone was still avoiding short people and the Predators were like maybe if we just drafted all the high skill high talent players who are who everyone's skipping over just because they're like two inches under six feet
0: maybe, maybe that could work for us mm-hmm. anything stand out about Soros to you?
2: He's been very confident and not in the Carter Hutton School of Confidence. He's been confident <laughs> and very successful throughout confident his career. Yeah, confident and competent. He's been very good through every single – people think that he maybe he can't do it because he's too small, and he just proves over and over again that he can. His record in Milwaukee is amazing so far this year. His uh, one goal against average, I don't know what the save percentage it maybe 9.69 or something like that. He's that's, been very, very good. It's pretty solid.
0: Um, I think what stood out to me about him is uh, – you know, after the, the Scott Wilson goal, the sort of breakaway, he, he I know we've, we've said confidence a bunch of times, but it was outside, of when the when the puck came in sort of outside of the goal crease, playing the puck with it, you know, playing the puck outside of those areas, either just poke checking, sending sending pucks to the corner, um, passing out of the corner, um, was pretty impressive. I mean, that's one area that Pecorino, you really don't know what you're going to get. I mean, sometimes he makes a good decision, most of the times he doesn't. And, Saros looked, I mean, I don't think he made one poor decision in that area of the game against a very skilled, speedy team, uh, even though they're missing Crosby, of course, but uh, Saros just stood out to me as just the the star of the night uh, by far.
2: He picked up an assist, and you really cannot hold that 2-on-0 goal against him. That was completely on oh, Ekholm's yeah. misplay at the yeah. blue line. Yeah. The thing
1: that you know coming out of that game, there was a lot of talk and a lot of questions going around about, hey, do we, do, you know, do, do, do the Predators look to keep him up? You know, do they? Does he get more stars? He could to be the new backup. We All some those questions things on that. Um, yeah, well, I'm happy to save my responses for then, but you know, no, 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 I, no, go go ahead. I think, go ahead. Um, you know, one, I don't think people are getting ahead of themselves. Um, I have no problem if he were the starter. Uh, the, the The problem is, is I was thinking, how many games does he have to dress for? Before he's actually vulnerable, if at all, to an expansion draft. Yeah, and if keeping Milwaukee for a year protects him from that,
2: I'm not sure that. Expansion I don't know. draft rules are extremely complicated. They
1: are extremely complicated, which is why I don't have an answer. Because <laughs> um, also, I'm just thinking of this right now, mm-hmm. opposed to researching it beforehand. Um, yeah.
2: You know, I'd really rather him stay in Milwaukee and get 50 starts as opposed yeah. to up here and getting 20 starts. That's
1: my big thing. I want him to play as many games as possible. When he comes up, I want him to be the guy. The, the, the issue is that Pekka's on a ridiculous contract, and you have to figure that out. But I don't think it's a huge deal. Like you got to pay Pekka one way or another. So if Saris is the better goaltender... Mazanek's nice to have you, Pekka. Enjoy, you know, the headset and and let Soros get out there and, and hopefully continue to do what he's been doing at every level of hockey.
0: And, and it's not like in this game was it's not like this game was a um, one sided affair against the Blue Jackets or the Jets or something where the other team had twenty shots on goal. The the Penguins largely because of the score effect were dominating possession, had a ton of scoring chances throughout the entire game, a, a lot in the third period as well, um, and he stood strong. And that was just really impressive.
1: Yeah, and it's not. I think the comparison is great because uh, this is not some team that has any issues on offense. This is Phil Kessel and Patrick Hornquist
0: and and Evgeny Malkin. Yeah,
1: that's that's a scary true of players.
0: Yeah. He he made a poke check, uh, and I just I remember this. He made a, a poke check on uh, it was either, I mean I I think it was either Malkin, Kessel, or Haglin. I know it was one of those three. It was one, it was some skilled outside winger, and he made a poke check that was just just second nature, and and it totally disrupted the play, and uh, a play that you know. I don't know that Pecorino makes just because I don't think he even tries to make it. I think he just he trusts his glove. He trusts his pads. He, he just trusts that he's going to be able to make the save. Soros decided we're going we're gonna to disrupt this play right there.
1: Now, the cool thing that I heard, and uh, this is I had a friend who was watching the game on the Penns broadcast, and uh, what she told me was that the announcers, the, the playoff play, were, were just raving about Soros for portions of the game. Wow. And at one point, they compared him to Heinrich Lundqvist. Wow. And how he was and in the way he was playing. I mean, could there be a higher compliment for a goaltender than Heinrich Lund- Lundqvist? I mean, everyone's always gonna rave about, you know, Wah being the best goaltender, whoever being the best goaltender. But I mean Lundqvist is just just is le- gonna be legendarily consistent, legendarily t- you know, high talented, high skilled. So if you get a guy like that who can be mm-hmm. comfortably compared to Lundqvist by the Penn's broadcast team, that's a special moment.
0: Fills me with, with happy joy. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah. outside of Carey Price, I mean, Lundqvist has been one of the best goaltenders of the last six years, five, six years. I mean...
2: His career save percentage is insane. It's yeah. like a point nine three zero.
0: Yeah. That's... I mean, he, he's he's
1: maybe, you know, easily top five goaltender of all time. Yeah, maybe not, not higher.
2: top of all time, but I would put him up there.
0: So, so Soros... The diminutive Soros was, was great and was a, a, a huge part of that game. Uh the rest of the team though, uh we, we alluded to this, um looked very different. You had um Joey uh, Ryan Johansson with James Neal and, and Victor Arvidson on the top line. Victor Arvidson just was a disruptive, just chaotic Tasmanian devil out there Goals, doing scoring, penalty killing, <laughs> just everything doing. All all over the place. And 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 uh you could not watch this game and not uh, love what Arverton was doing, if you're a Predators fan. Um, Forsberg, Ribeiro, Fiala was your your top line. Uh, this line was interesting to me. Cali Yarncroke, going back to center, playing with Wilson and Austin Watson as his wingers. What is that line? <laughs> what, what is the goal of that it's line? I mean, it's a spare parts line. It's a spare parts, yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, and maybe maybe
1: uh, a Wilson Yarncroke makes sense. I mean, Watson's just because he's got NHL skating experience... He's a guy you can trust to do what you tell him to do. He may not always do it well. I mean, he had a couple good looks and some close calls. Um, same thing with Wilson. I mean, Wilson had a couple really good looks and made some odd decisions with the puck. Um, nothing that that really hurt the team, but didn't help. Yeah. Uh, still, it was better than the the as as Stu Crimson dubbed it the the soup line, the fourth the the fourth, the Milwaukee call up line that was a. It, it, not affect. I think they skated like, um, most of them had around like eight minutes of ice time. It was like eight, nine minutes, Yeah, eight to nine. Yeah. It was like between like eight to nine minutes between them.
0: And I mean, it, they just got beat up. Well, I, I hope my groan was not misinterpreted. I was really more groaning at Stu Grimson. I don't know. I, I like the soup line. I admit
1: I, it, <laughs> part of me that, that loves really bad puns and all that kind of stuff. I really appreciated that. <laughs> and I don't say that about Stu Grimson ever. It ever was, at all?
2: It was surprisingly clever. Okay. Yeah. It, and I,
1: he was also dressed like a dork too, so it, it it helped balance out. Yeah. He was wearing his traditional like weird stripey suit and black button up shirt. Don't wear don't don't wear a black button up shirt, anybody. I mean, just don't do it. What? You're not you're not a vampire in the '90s. It's
0: not cool. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Vampires in the '90s wore black button up shirts.
2: Yeah, with the big uh, cuffs.
0: Oh okay, I, I didn't know that. I guess You're i didn't really be, delving into this. Someone. Well, I just you want to you want to really talk about it. I, well, here's the thing. I was thinking in my mind is there a is there sort of a, a fashion you know eras of vampires, you know vampires in the nineties seventies and, in the 70s and you know, antique vampire dress. I guess there is. Uh, yeah, that last line was uh, if if the third line <laughs> if, if the third we're moving line, on we're moving on we're moving on. If the third line was a spare parts line, uh, the Smith-Zolniarczyk-Goudreau line was... Now, this is this is not Craig Smith, of course. This is Tr- Trevor Tra- yeah. Smith. Sorry. Trevor no Smith. No relation. No, no relation. And uh, Freddie Goudreau, no relation to Johnny Goudreau. I think we already... Yeah, we, we need to make sure that's clear. Um, that line, if the, they're not even a spare parts line. What are they? They are a... Um, they are a...
1: Hey, we we have to ice four lines of forwards, and we need to, some guys you can put out there who can at least...
0: Not concede goals. They're the the the, the car tape on the yes. the window. They, yeah, they are. Hey, our guys need a breather line. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: we need bodies line. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, also in that game, and this is uh, I wanted to mention this as well. I guess just because La Violette was thinking, what the hell, just scramble everyone and let's go ahead and do Suban and Ekholm and Yossi and Ellis. So Yay.
2: what
0: what did you make of that? Did you I
2: like was that? I Very happy with that.
0: They do seem to work better. I I, I so want. To just
1: have Ellis and Ekholm together and and Yossi and and Suban, but it just seems like it works when you mix them up. It just seems to click.
2: Yeah, I really like Ellis and Ekholm, but really splitting them up and putting them with uh, Suban and Yossi, I think, works a lot better. I do not particularly care for Yossi and Suban together. Just sort of the whole style they play, what they try to do at the same time. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think
1: whatever works, it's a good problem to have. I mean, yeah, and maybe it spreads. And maybe it spreads minutes out. Maybe it means that how much harder is it to to, to for an opposing coach to match lines yeah. against a team that's going to ice a combination of Ellis, Yossi, Subban, and Ekholm when you're never going to have yeah. You know, pick, pick your who's the number one pairing there? Who knows? Right? Who knows? I mean, maybe you give the edge to the Ekholm Subban
2: pairing. Maybe just because Ekholm's taller.
1: I think I mean, Ekholm might be slightly better defensively, whereas Ellis may be a little bit better going
0: forward. Uh-huh. But I mean, it just depends on how you want to judge judge them. But and I Ellis, couldn't do it. Ellis tend to, tends to shoot more. He's a little a little bit better of a passer, I think. Well, Ekholm's a pretty good passer too. I know. <laughs> um, oh, our our lives as analysts is so hard, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was a change. Um, do you think? Does that does that change stick uh, going into later in this week? Does that sh- does that shuffle in the defensive lineup? Do, do we see more of that this week?
2: I hope it sticks more than the lines from the Detroit game, which I was not a fan of.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I, I hope so. Um,
1: you know, this is the time of the year to experiment a little bit to find the groove. You've got some some new faces out there, and and uh, you know you're adjusting to some new playing styles. I mean, Arvidsson really clearly he very much spent the summer working on the exact things that were deficient in his game. I mean, I talked about it last year. He just didn't look strong and his shot was terrible. He looks so much stronger this year. And we talked about that a little bit during the season preview that he put on a lot of weight and his shot looks like a threatening shot. I mean, his, his, is random, you know, shot, you know, shot on net from, you know, open ice that was sort of like a, Oh, he's like, he's tossing a you know, a, a Frisbee gently through the air mm-hmm. was an actual shot that, th- that could have been threatening, uh, which just completely changes how he can play the game and and the way he can do things, and it just makes the the teammates around him respond differently because he's a higher threat. Yeah. So there's a lot of adjustments that have to be made in this team, even with players that are familiar to the system and to each other.
0: And I think uh, I've heard a lot of comparisons to um, Hornfist. Uh, that people are comparing Arvidsson to Hornfist, which is uh, to, to me, I I understand it because if he shoots a lot, but they are just totally different players. Arvidsson's a yeah, much not better the same. skater. Much better skater. and He can do a lot of different things. Hornqvist great in front of the net, and he he does a lot of things well. I mean, I'm not slagging off uh, Hornqvist here. You better but, not. <laughs> I'm not. But but Arvidsson is a very different player, and he does shoot a lot. But that does not necessarily mean them that they're the same. Um, so yeah, it, this was a, a, a this was a great win. I mean, it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not shy to say that it was a, it was a great win considering the the circumstances, considering the opponent. Uh, And considering how the previous four games went, solid, solid finish to the week.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the only complaint is that paltry 33% on the power play. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I mean, that was embarrassing, frankly. Why are they not shooting? Um, I I
0: just don't know. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard when you're uh, you go one for one for what Was it one for four? One for three. One, One for three. And your power play percentage goes down. That's pretty bad um I, I, hey if they if they managed to end the season and they're at a
1: twenty five percent power if they're shooting twenty twenty five percent the power play <laughs> that would be awesome, yeah, I mean that would be fantastic i mean we know they're not going to be able to stay at this right. what are they at fifty something percent over fifty percent' like
2: eight for thirteen or something incredible something like something
1: really i mean everyone knows everyone's in, in talk to death about how it's unsustainable but hey if the, if that is a a trend that says they can score like this and they can move the puck like this mm-hmm. and they can finish in in the high tw- in, you know the mid twenties
0: yeah, man, that is, that was something that was missing last year. And, uh, so on, on the power play, I mean, that, that was kind of the focus of the week outside of, uh, what happened in the last 24 hours or so, um, because it was so dominant. Here's the thing with the power play, you know, we, we've talked about this before and with special teams in general, you know, a, a good team usually has a good power play, but you do not have to have a good power play to have a good team. Um, it is a it is a benefit of being just an overall already well built team. Uh, if it is a if your power play is particularly bad, it can hurt you a little bit. But in general, as the power play goes, does not necessarily go your team. You know, there's there's it's typically over relied upon in a lot of analysts' minds. It's fun to look at and fun to talk about because it's you know there's like something like a two and a half times more chance of a, of a goal going in when the power play is on. But, but to be honest, the power play is not a big focus. It's fun when it's working, which right now it seems to be working. So, um, one of the thing about the game on Saturday, what was it? The it was the Halloween game. Is that what it was?
2: Yes. Yes, it was. So there's
0: the big, long California road swing. They have to have a super early Halloween game. Oh, right. Okay. So does that mean people dressed up? I don't dress up for Halloween. So I know there's a person with a horse mask on is there is everything now.
2: Yes, I th- I seem to remember the Preds advertising like small children with costumes, you know, as you do.
0: Yeah. Okay. So so it was the Halloween dress up. Now I I love Halloween. Um, I don't typically like dressing up, but the other thing I like about Halloween, Link, is candy. Do you, you like know. candy? I um I have a difficult relationship with candy. Um,
1: I I don't buy candy because if I buy it, I eat all of it very very quickly. <laughs> Me and a bag of um, Starburst jelly beans. I'll disappear and come back um, with, you know, like, a year-long beard growth. Um, It's just, I go into this, like, full hermit mode, and then I, you know, die from the sugar. But I do, I do love, okay do love the candy.
0: Yeah. Uh, How about about yourself?
2: Yes, I sort of have the same problem with I do buy candy, but a bag of Twizzlers lasted a very short amount of time in my presence. Twizzlers, okay. Yes.
0: So... Wanted to spend just a moment discussing some candy because I, I believe Link has some some extensive research on some uh, some ca- yes, candies. Yes,
1: extensive is accurate, not at all an exaggeration. Um, <laughs> it is extremely detailed. But, but what some folks may have seen is midweek, uh, and I'm the, you know, I apologize I didn't source this properly because I cannot remember the name of the group that released this. But there was a uh, a listing. It was a four thousand person sample to find out what the most popular Candy is per state. So the very first thing that pops in my head is, okay, we know the states, so we can't do this for Canada. That's fine. They have, um, I don't know, what, are they, what do they eat at Tim Hortons? Like, well, they have all dressed chips and Ald, ketchup chips. Yeah, they, I mean, whatever. <laughs> Canada does a thing. They like <laughs> uh, gobstoppers or something. I don't know. Um, but we do have the 50 states, and we do know which hockey teams are in which states. That is that, stuff we yeah, do know. We is do know too. that. So I mean, most of these are kind of boring. You know, like I mean, Tennessee being candy corn. I, I, I like candy corn. If you get a good candy corn, it's like the proper sweetened with honey candy corn. It can be really enjoyable. You have to
2: really buy enjoyable. name brand candy corn. You can't buy the crappy yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: Brox has some strong candy corn. It's actually like honey sweetened candy corn. Um, okay. But there are some interesting ones in there that I just they call me off guard. Especially if you think about the teams like California, most popular Halloween candy in California. Life savers, really? Huh. Hmm. I mean, I've enjoyed a lifesaver or two, <laughs> but that's what you're gonna pick to represent your state. The, I think the problem with lifesavers is, isn't it just? Uh, what are they like four in a package? Oh, the, the little fun size ones, yeah, they're like four or five little like rings in the they, they're in the classic like candy, like Jolly Ranchers, and my teeth hurt. Oh yeah, I don't care for those. <clears throat> um, I mean, it, some of these are flat out boring, like M and M's or Crunch bars. Crunch bars in Florida and M and M's in Michigan. Uh, New Jersey always standing out though, though They're known for their defensive hockey <laughs> And their, their systems But their favorite candy Sour Patch Kids Which is a pretty aggressive Whoa. candy That's a pretty aggressive mm, candy So yeah. I feel like they're compensating Is, is really my point there that, that's, um, a, yeah,
0: that's, a, that's a pretty
1: but they're, but they're still doing better in New York Normally it's the other way around You know it, but, but New York sweet tarts How lame is that? Sweet tarts like the Sweet tarts Like in the little foil Little little yeah, like okay. Plastic cellophane sweet yeah. tarts uh, and really, there's there's one here that I have to call in particular, and that's the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona, Their candy. They had listed. Anyone want to take a guess? Well, yeah, Alex, guess. you want to take a guess? Yeah. yeah. We'll take a guess. Pecan logs. Pecan logs. Interesting. Interesting. Um. Terrible guess. I'm thinking but interesting. old. I'm thinking old people. No, but hey, I think you're you're in the right direction, Maria. What do you what do you I think? I don't have a guess. Oh, come. You, can I make a second guess? I'll make her guess. Okay, Alex's guess for Maria.
0: Werther's Originals.
1: <laughs> that would be fantastic. That sounds like Florida. No, it's, it's utterly perplexing. Um, Toblerone. Oh, huh. Toblerone. I love some Toblerone. I mean, who doesn't? But what an odd thing to be listed. Uh, and, then, and then I will say, um, with pride, the number one candy for the state of Pennsylvania is the Swedish Fish. Oh. Now, this makes immediate sense to me. Um, there is a family tradition in my family. Uh, yeah, yeah that's obvious uh during christmas pretty much everyone has gets a like one pound box wrapped meat the tree of swedish fish and i have seen this gift given to between my aunts and uncles and ever in family for my entire life so when i see swedish fish on that list i just i nod mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that sounds right to me and then i just crave swedish fish
0: it's like a familial connection that you yeah have and like no one this-
1: even knows what flavor they are the, the theory is it's lingonberry, but no one's really sure. It's not cherry. No, okay. It's not cherry. It's hmm. not cherry. I've never thought about that. Like it's, the flavor yeah, of Swedish pe- fish. Yeah, it's it's they've never revealed. Uh, they the the manufacturer. They've never revealed the flavor officially huh. or anything okay. like that.
2: Have you ever tried the Swedish fish Oreos?
1: I have not. I did watch um someone uh review them, and he said that they were pretty. I mean. They were weird Like the
2: It's very weird But they taste like Swedish fish
0: But I wouldn't want chocolate On my Swedish fish So let me ask you this Is the The Swedish fish Oreo Is it a, uh, a Is it that That texture in the middle Or is it
1: an no. Oreo No it's, it's, it's like an,
2: It's an Oreo With the Swedish fish flavoring and it's,
0: and it's the same color As the
1: Swedish fish though Except yeah. for the cookies Was just chocolate colored okay. okay So I, I think Before So we can wrap this up Because I definitely want to talk about candy And I know From the poll I put on Twitter Midweek You guys did too <laughs> Uh I have my own stance on what the best Halloween candy is. Okay. I know very clearly in my mind. I see it in my dreams. I know what it is. And I want us to come to agreement on this if we can. Okay. I think, and and this is maybe, maybe I want you to really think about this. Because it may not be, in, you know, I want you to be objective. Because I think this is objectively the best candy. And that is the the um, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Okay. I, I'm totally on board with that. I mean, yeah. do you ever not love to eat one of those? And I'm sorry if you're allergic to peanuts. I, I don't know if there's actually any peanuts in a Reese's peanut butter Cut, To be honest, Hershey does not work with real ingredients. <laughs> but man, those things are satisfying.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think you nailed it. I, I don't. I cannot disagree with that. I would propose maybe an alternate for peanut allergy folk. Um, I think nerds, especially the, the tiny box of nerds, like not not one of the giant things of nerds, but the the, the tiny boxes of nerds that are usually grape or strawberry or or watermelon or something. Um, are a great Halloween candy. And I claim, I have claimed this for years, that I actually invented the Nerds Rope. You know the Nerds Rope? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, from my childhood. But I invented it. Because years ago, when I was a child at, Cal- at Halloween and got Nerds and I got Twizzlers, I was putting those together when I was eight years old. I-, I was doing that for years before they ever came out with it. So I will happily give you credit. Okay. But,
1: uh, you know, and, and so final word.
2: Yeah, both of those are really great choices. My first thought was the, Reese, the miniature Reese's Cups. I really like those. I guess I'll have to stick with Twizzlers, though, because, mostly because most people don't like them. So that means I get all of them, and I am very pro getting all the candy. Okay. I,
1: I, will, I will fight people for Reese, the Reese's Cups. I will do that. I will go through a bowl of candy
0: and pick out all the Reese's Cups. I don't care if that's rude. Now, do you like to dive into the Reese's family, all of the different Nutrageous and the the big cup and the crunchy ones? And- uh,
1: you know, there was there was a period when they had a lot of different varieties. Um, and I did try all of them and did rate them all. This was a, some time ago. Um, <laughs> of course you did. <clears throat> you, you guys have read my writing. You You, <laughs> you, you know. Uh so there 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 has been some up and down moments. Um the double peanut butter ones were some of my favorites. It was uh they just had a little bit of peanut butter in the or a little bit of chocolate on the bottom, the rest was like the top was peanut butter's peanut butter through. Oh, Ooh, it was okay. good. Um but all this to say that there, none of the NHL teams, at least the US ones, had the peanut butter cups as their candy. Okay. So as a as a state and as a hockey team that has candy corn listed here. With some of the other proud ones like Texas, when this happens next time, we we as a as a as as Tennessee residents need to boost the peanut butter cup higher. We need to claim that as our own
0: because it is open in this league. It is there. We need that, to that, we need to pack ship and sail from candy corn land and and claim land in Reese Reese's cup land. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes as okay. eloquently as you put it
2: <laughs> they've, they've got the perfect ratio of chocolate and peanut butter on the inside of course we should all rally together for this cause
0: yeah I mean the the, the cause has been stated we know the goal the goal is to make Reese's peanut butter cups the um, official candy this time next year for I would say they're the victor origin of the candy world right now ah okay so the trend is up the trend <laughs> trending up all right um so we we promised discussion on candy, and we delivered. Uh, we also promised that we would uh, take some of your Twitter questions. We have a few to get to. Um, a couple of these we've kind of already mentioned. Um, we talked about Soros, um, so a couple people asked about, about him. Um, I did like this one. This was from at the SeaWeb, who has now two weeks in a row getting a question on here. What do you make of Kamenev not getting called up for the sickness game versus the Penguins? Um, I thought that was an interesting point. So with all of these call-ups... Is there a explanation? You know, just not the right fit because they were looking for more fourth line guys, and he's probably more a, a tweener, kind of a second line, third line guy now. Um, anything to make of that? Or what do you think about Kamenev?
2: Yeah, I think they wanted to leave him down there for him to get more minutes than just the eight minutes that the fourth line actually managed to skate. I don't really think it's an indictment on him at all. Just getting a few bodies up there to get a couple of games, uh, to get a game in, I really don't think it says anything about him.
0: Okay. Um, all right. At Ryan Cork 97 says, asks, if the Preds had to make one move, what do you think they would address? What could they give up? What could they get back? Um, I, I like these kind of questions. I like these sort of, you know, trade bait kind of discussions. Well, yeah, lead us off. Lead us off. Um, so I was thinking about this, and uh, <laughs> it's tough because I think prior to uh, if, if you ask me this right now, if you ask me this right now, um, I, I would say they probably don't make a move at all. Um, they, I don't think that they have anything to address. I know they're two and three, but it's 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 early. I don't think they make a move at all. But if they go closer to the trade deadline and there are problems, I think they ship Ribeiro, either cut or ship him somewhere. I think that they make a move to get Colin Wilson. In a, in a place where he can succeed, whether that's on another team and get something in return because they might not protect him. Uh, or they, this would be the big one, they do something with Pecorine and then all of a sudden you're looking at Soros.
1: You know, it, it, this is this is one of the, the difficult questions because it's wide open. And, and admittedly, the last couple trades from the Predators, the ones that have been impactful... No one really saw it coming. Right, and if yeah. you, if you say you saw that coming, then you, then good on you for not leaking any of that inside information mm-hmm. because you're clearly plugged right into things. Uh, you know, it, it, most of the things in our our list, we like. Oh, it's about clearing out players that frustrate us. Now I'm more in Wilson's corner than most people, um, so you know I I like to hold on to him. I still think he might be gone the expansion draft possibly. I, it's hard to say. Uh, the Pekka contract. I mean, he's playing well and you know you hate to to lose a guy like that but the contract is bad enough where it's going to hurt the team in the long run i don't think it's movable no um he's also i think has got he's got some trade protection i can't remember if he has a clause yeah so I, I you know it's just i don't really think there's a lot you can do I mean, maybe the 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 real moves are looking at milwaukee and saying what do we have in the pipeline and maybe we don't have the defensive depth we need in the pipeline so can we take some of the the forwards that we're not seeing uh, not progress well enough, but may not have a uh, future within our structure, given given the, how the current players are. Maybe we can we can do a a prospect swap to get some D talent in the pipeline or something like that. Uh, you know, I, I think that would probably be the most impactful. Though granted, it's not impactful for a few years. Uh, it would certainly uh, make more sense in trying to ship out somebody. Uh, I mean, hey, everyone everyone knows that I'd love to see Ribeiro go. Anywhere, I think KHL would be great. I don't think you can do trades with the KHL, um, but maybe <laughs> find a way to do that. Uh, but other than that, no, I, I think you kind of have to leave things alone um, and just maybe look at the pipeline.
2: I don't think we can move Renee, or even that. I don't even think we really should. He's just on the books for another couple of years, and we already have a cheap replacement, you know, already on our in our roster. So I don't really think any of those. We, we should do and honestly our defensive pipeline depth isn't that bad either we've just drafted a bunch of really great guys i believe the leading scorer in the qmjhl is a defenseman that we drafted and signed this past summer um i think the one thing that we could do is boost our center up some more because we're still depending on 235 plus centers that
0: gerard you were talking about
2: yes yeah yes um if we could you know just pulling a trade out if we could somehow manage a trade for Ryan nugent hopkins i would be ecstatic but that's uh, you Rupert know has
1: some real leadership qualities you could use in edmonton we <laughs> promise yeah yeah he's that good
2: yeah <laughs> yeah and moving up some of our forward prospects too would probably be a great move because we have a bunch of guys like oberg and gortz who just probably are never going to get their start here but they you know could be nhl players so if we could you know filter them out and get some sort of assets back that would be good
1: yeah and, and the Predators are an interesting spot because when it comes to uh contrast in the books they're actually at the lower end of that scale so, mm-hmm. I, I think one of the big things the Predators can do is be patient because there's going to be some anxious teams who are going to need, who, who may need to
0: clear some space. Um, and the Predators can take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, more Twitter questions. I, th- these two I kind of combined um, into to one, uh, even though they're two different people. At FMFT Ball, Man- uh, M- at FMFT Ball MGR. Football manager. Yeah, that's what it looks like, uh, pro football manager, or whatever that game is called. Um says, after last night, what will lines look like on the road trip? And then in tandem with that, at Crazy Rachel, says, with the shakeup on defense, do you think that continues to the road trip? So this will kind of lead us into next week. Can we expect to see anything like what we saw against Pittsburgh in this next week? I, I certainly
1: think um, Arvidsson made a very strong argument for staying up. I mean, he was kind of more down the thirdish line. Um I I think he might you know, there's a really good reason to keep him higher up. Uh you know, Laviolette's not afraid to say, "Hey, all of our lines are first lines or I don't call any line the first line. They're all unique special scoring snowflakes and things like that." <laughs> um so I mean, I I I'd, I'd like to see a little bit of the, you know, kind of a, a halfway uh, you're gaining a four actual fourth lineback. They they sent a lot of those, those they sent basically all didn't they send all the, the guys in that fourth line back down?
2: I think all but maybe one. I'm not hundred percent. Send a Watson
1: stay 'cause Watson's on a one way, so mm-hmm. that's always that's gonna be risky in the middle of the season. Uh but no, I think the the defensive pairings, I want them to be just like they were in Pittsburgh, um well, in the Pittsburgh game mm-hmm. and continue that experiment. I like to see Arvinson stay up. Um and, and the problem is is Fiala is not gonna be effective. He's not in the top six. So if you move him down, he's, I mean, he's, he's going to disappear. You saw that in the two games back-to-back. We saw in the games, yeah. yeah. When you give him an opportunity, he can succeed at, at that level. Um, laviolette has got some tough, tough choices. yeah. Because uh, I don't want to see Arbison or Fiala drop down, but you've got Smith possibly coming back um, amongst others. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, a line of uh, Bass, Sissons, and Fiala might have been successful in the AHL. Actually, I believe it was successful in the AHL, but it's just not going to work up here I think what uh, yeah I know it's shocking I think Co- Arvidsson Cody deserves, Bass can't
0: play with Philip Forsberg for the rest of the year
2: definitely not if he keeps attempting to check him okay I think he might have hurt himself on the play if, just like his wily e. Coyote la- a moment uh,
1: yeah I think and this is something that I, I feel like got missed I think Bass's injury was an actual injury yes an upper body injury yeah so he wasn't ill because I knew a few people were, were talking about him being out
0: with illness and that kind of being lucky but he's I think he's actually injured yeah um so that leads us to the the week ahead uh the team heads out west um we have uh they have three games next week uh including a back to back another back to back another one is that kind of the normal I guess so uh, I think the team has four back to backs up in the first two months of the season um and i think eight all year so um They first go to to Anaheim to rematch the Ducks. Uh, These are all 9.30 starts. So, um, you know, bring your coffee and your sweet tarts and your your Reese's cups to stay up and get all sugared up. Um, Wednesday at the Ducks, uh, the very next night they go to L.A., or just go just north of there, to play the Kings Thursday, and then they go to San Jose Saturday night. Um, So out of six possible points... What, what what's a successful week look like here uh, in these three games? You know, the Ducks are um, not as good as they even were last year, and they weren't even really that good of a regular season team last year. L.A. is um, looking looking better than maybe some people thought, and San Jose, uh, you know, regular season San Jose is uh, kind of, uh, you never know what you're going to get. So what do you think? Uh, I, I would I would like to see at least two points, probably three or four. Yeah, I'm in favor of four points. Uh, I think the Sharps game as always, is always going
1: to be difficult. Uh, but you know, there's always an advantage when, when you're playing the back-to-backs um, and doing that California swing because you, you play Anaheim, who's it's a Carlisle team. The Predators should beat them. I mean, the Predators should absolutely beat them. Um, and then you can go back practically to the same hotel. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully they're not moving around too much. Sleep, rest up. You're not having to fly. You're not having to do extensive travel. Um, that's a huge, huge asset. And then you can play a Kings team that's okay. Um, and, you know, really take it to them. And so I think I'd like to see the Predators take both those games on the back to back. I like to see them win both.
2: Yeah, I like to see them get at least four points and maybe five if they manage to take the Kings game to overtime, which I mm. think has sort of been what they've been doing on their swings. Usually they'll win the first game, drop the second one in overtime, and then whether or not they pick up the last game.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens in a in, uh, goaltending position for those those two games um, well, something that we'll learn over the next couple days, you know, is, is Saros going back down or was he already sent down? He's already sent. He's down. already sent down. Okay. So, so it'll definitely be Mazenich in, the, in goal uh, for one of those games, unless it's Rene for both games, <laughs> uh, which could happen. So, um, all right. I think that just about does it. That kind of wraps up things for us. Um, we, uh, we appreciate you um, taking the time to listen to what, you know, listen to what we have to say. And uh, as usual, um, Anything, any uh, final, final words?
1: Uh, I, I think this is going to be a great week. Uh, this is, you know, that, that stereotypical, hey, this is when the team gets to bond and become family and that they always talk about every year. So I think there's a degree of truth to that. Um, so that's always great to see. I, I really believe that this is the first time we're going to get to see the Predators as a team there. They want to be uh, the start was a little weird. Um, with the back-to-backs in Chicago, you have the illness, you have a, the, the weird game against Pittsburgh with all the call-ups. You know, maybe maybe they start getting back to normality uh, when they're playing the Ducks. That's what I'm hoping for, uh, and really seeing what team we might get for the full season. I don't think they're the team we've been seeing so far. Uh, so I, I think that's something to really look forward to, even with the late starts.
2: Yeah, I agree. We haven't really seen a whole lot of the team as it's going to be. They didn't have a whole lot of training camp and – so these few games have been a little bit strange, so maybe we'll get some more pictures of them. You know, tandem biking in California, and then get some real <laughs> caves on get in their books. Tandem biking in California is that a thing? Yes, you, uh, the Swedes did it last year. It's a thing you can
1: do anywhere. You can tandem as long as you can rent a tandem bike. You can do it. Oh, it's not like a, it's not required. This is, no, it's not required. Okay. No, you you don't get off the airport in, in uh, San Jose, and they're like, "Here's your bike," and you're just standing there awkwardly, being like, "But I'm by myself. I'm here for a business trip. Who do I ride with?"
0: They do that in uh, Nashville, except it's a pedal tavern. (laughs) (laughs) All right. He is uh, Chris Link at 3D Link on Twitter. Uh, She is Maria at underscore Maria underscore K. And I am Alex Darty at Alex one The show is at on the forecheck. And uh, you're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Before the sun could rise With a city man came to town She turned his head around It was love with just one look When she saw the size of his pocketbook Oh, Sally's doing fine She's up in Mississippi
1: tonight But there's a mountain boy That's gonna remember you you want all girly hits to lose but you did what you had to do you know I'm happy
0: for you but sometimes please think of me I there!